Welcome back to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shayna, and I'm here with Liz. Hi. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your name. <laughs> I'm Liz. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. You've had a busy past couple of days at work, yeah? Yeah, it's been very busy. Yeah. Same here with, in the lactation world. I Lots of babies are being born. You know, I think it's barometric <laughs> pressure. <laughs> I'm convinced. Like We've Mercury's had and retrograde or something. I don't know. All this rain I love. Yes. Fantastic. Of course, we're always whining about rain in Los Angeles. Then when it rains for a month and a half, everyone's hysterical. Yeah. But I think it's busier. I was about to buy the kids umbrellas at Target. <laughs> and the mini umbrellas were like $17. And I was like, I just can't do it. I don't for like they're gonna lose it in two days exactly. at school. So. I know people are buying rain boots and wearing real jackets. Yeah, this is <laughs> like oh, there's weather. <laughs> what a phenomenon, in LA. <laughs> We're so spoiled. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shayna Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. I love podcasting with you. It's sometimes few and far between, but we got a new review on okay. iTunes and I wanted to read it. It's so encouraging. The title is Real Relevant Content. It's from Tal G. And she says, I have three older kids and as a woman still find this podcast relevant, interesting, and refreshing. Shana and Liz are talking from their experiences and providing insight from real stories while offering a humble opinion. Thank you for that. Thanks, Tal. Yeah. We would love to hear more reviews, more thoughts on iTunes or yeah, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, excuse me, about the Birth Nurses Podcast. We want to be relevant and known Humble. by other people <laughs> in uh, the the birth world and people who are pregnant, and nurses, first babies, and yeah, nurses. We speak a lot to nurses, exactly it's for you. Um, but today we're going to be talking about. Again, could be kind of a touchy subject, right? But uh, we're going to address the subject of a client who's desiring a home birth experience but comes to a hospital institution for labor and delivery. And just kind of unpacking all that, what it means, and how we as nurses can respond and how the, the patient can respond as well. You know, I'm grateful that I have mostly excellent experiences to reaffirm my reasons for spending these last decades plus in labor and delivery. Mm. And I love it. And we have it all. We have unmedicated, with an epidural, undisturbed, hypnobirthing, quiet birthing, loud birthing. It's all there in Orgasmic the birthing. Orgasmic birthing. <laughs> I haven't had someone actually tell me straight up that they've had an orgasmic birth, but I read about it. Mm -hmm. I am completely convinced that 
we can provide we can provide excellent care as nurses to our patients. Yes. What happens in their gestational period, what happens with their doctors, their perinatologists, their specialists happens mostly on the outside. When they come into labor and delivery, it's mostly the perinatologist and an obstetrician on their way to deliver. When I talk about home birth wishes and then coming into the institution, I want to preface this with there's a lot of home birthing going on in L.A. There are tons of qualified midwives, licensed midwives, certified nurse midwives, and midwives decide which patients are appropriate for home birth. And it's usually low-risk individuals with few or no comorbidities. Yeah. And we've talked about comorbidities before, but can we talk about that again? What does that mean? Comorbidities are conditions like chronic hypertension, gestational hypertension, preeclampsia, diabetes, Mm -hmm. uh, intrauterine growth restricted babies. That means they're not really making their growth milestones. Mm. Placentas that are calcified, non-reassuring fetal heart rate tracings. Mm -hmm. That means they want to be observed, monitored during their labor. There's tons of comorbidities. It could be a patient with cardiac issues, with neurological issues, anything that falls outside the normal. Yep. And so a midwife doing a home birth would go more for the low-risk patient who's not going to need much additional care like they would get in a hospital setting. Yes, absolutely. I mean, midwives generally stick within their standard of care for midwifery or home birth. Mm -hmm. And each midwife can push that envelope to whatever they feel is comfortable according to their outcomes. And many midwives are very strict about their parameters. And some, you know, there are midwives that do twins. Mm -hmm. There are midwives who do breech babies. There are midwives who take care of people with group B strep, which is fine. They're perfectly capable of giving antibiotics in the home. But generally, midwives will refer to an obstetrician or do what we call concurrent care. We've talked Mm -hmm. about that before. Take care of their patient with being overseen by an obstetrician, and they know that their client is going to then become a patient in the hospital setting. Right. And just to expand more about home birth and a midwife, midwifery care, Mm -hmm. when a midwife comes to a home birth, and you've seen this before, we had Sunny Barish on Mm -hmm. our podcast before. She had a home birth, and Mm -hmm. you were her doula. You know I'm pro-home birth. The midwife came so prepared. She had an oxygen tank, right? And like IV stuff and things for taking care of the baby right after birth and medication just in case. So they're prepared with their arsenal of equipment, all the things that they need for those just-in-case emergencies. Mm -hmm. But they're not expecting that to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, we never do expect the birth to go sideways. Mm -hmm. We know it's possible. That's why midwives generally screen Mm -hmm. appropriately. Mm -hmm. I felt safe in the home setting with my client. I had three previous non-medicated births with Sunny, if you remember. Yeah. And her last child was born in her bathtub in her home. So amazing. And it was wonderful. And it was a fantastic experience. And it was safe. And Mm -hmm. I felt safe. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a patient 
who comes to labor and delivery expecting a home birth vibe and experience within an institutionalized setting and how sometimes that can go sideways from the very get-go based on that person's expectations of what we do. Hey there, it's Shana Brickner. I am an international board certified lactation consultant and a former labor and delivery nurse. I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept insurance for lactation visits. If you have Aetna, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, Tricare West, or HealthNet PPO, then it is very likely that we can have six or more lactation visits completely covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or a virtual visit. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, www.preparented.com, to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. I can help you with low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping, latching, bottle feeding, tongue tire, lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, introducing solid food, or weaning. I'd love to help you reach your parenting goals, your breastfeeding goals. So please reach out to me. My email is shana at preparented.com and then my website, www.preparented.com. Why do you think a low-risk patient would choose to have birth a birth in a hospital institution rather than going for the home birth or a birth center birth. This is the question that I'm sort of taking a deep dive into right now, and I've been thinking about it a lot. That's why we, I wanted to do this sort of on the fly this mm-hmm. week, because it's happening more and more. And what I've noticed is a lot of those patients that come into the hospital aren't joyous and happy and you know, they have more than the average normal, whatever normal means, average amount of concern or worry or anticipation, right? Yeah. They seem almost angry and suspicious. And there's a wall up that feels insurmountable. And I wonder, why are you here if you are refusing everything that goes with an institutionalized birth mm. and also the position that it puts us as nurses in. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, one reason might be the financial aspect, exactly. right? Like it's, it's too expensive. Some uh, midwives are out of network with insurance companies. And so. Or the insurance companies don't provide yeah. um, coverage for midwifery care, which is a travesty right. in this country. It's horrible. That's the thing we really ought to be lobbying yeah. for big time. And yeah. uh, the medical lobby is another insurmountable wall of yeah. power. It's ridiculous. So then, yeah. So then the patient kind of feels forced like, well, this is my option for the place, for right. the setting of my delivery. But the the choices that maybe they get a little more leeway in is who is their provider. Right. What they don't get a choice in is who's their nurse once they get to the labor and delivery unit. Right. So there's a myriad, you know, of concerns, especially for new nurses or nurses that are not comfortable having those conversations. Mm -hmm. And because this is happening more and more, I've noticed over the last couple of years, where patients come into the hospital with birth attendants, doulas, you know, second, third parties to be there labor support team, partners, obviously, the nurse 
often finds themselves in a position of having to plead their case. Uh, it um, would be very careful not to coerce or sound like we're harassing. Nurses should not be put in the position of having to plead their case mm. or to have to feel protected. But we do. Yeah, I have to protect my license and I have to do everything that I can to provide my patient with all the information. And then she gets to do what she wants. Right. Yeah, it is the nurse's duty and obligation to explain, like, in the hospital setting, we, you know, there's could be an emergency, a hemorrhage, fetal distress. Right. There are these certain interventions that right. might need to take place. And the kind of step one in all of that could be making sure there's an IV in place. That's mm -hmm. like number one, right? Mm -hmm. And then monitoring. Right. So, yeah, there are these kind of built-in interventions that are woven into the hospital birth experience. You know, that's, a really, that's a really great way to put it. Woven into the hospital birth experience, mm -hmm. 100%. And even the IV part, like, she really need an IV if she's having a non-medicated birth and doing her thing with um, fetal monitoring, and I can see that the baby's doing okay according to our standards of care. Right. I don't even think that's necessary all the time. Mm -hmm. However, a certain amount of fetal monitoring is the most important thing to be able to document that we have a reassuring fetal heart rate tracing. Yeah. Now, does that always mean that I have a real reassuring fetal heart rate tracing? Does that always mean? that we interpret the fetal heart rate tracing perfectly and that we can predict outcomes. It doesn't even mean that. Mm -hmm. All the statistics, right. all the evidence proves with all this fancy monitoring, we haven't really improved in outcomes. That's right. why I'm perfectly happy to advocate for birth centers and home births mm -hmm. and in, in low-risk moms. They don't really need continuous fetal right. monitoring. However... In an institutionalized setting, the patient is going to be confronted with all of this information, which obviously then puts up a barrier between nurse and patient. Mm -hmm. So really what this is about is how does the nurse communicate with the patient and then feel comfortable that she is protecting herself? And I'm just saying herself because predominantly labor and delivery is a, is a female-driven... Yeah, the staff is mainly staff female. Is, yeah, I know some guys <laughs> over the years mm -hmm. who have been great labor and delivery nurses. But in my unit, it happens to be an all-women staff. And we never what do want I do? to be coercive about it, just like you were saying. Right. We've talked about the relationship between nurses and patients before in previous episodes, that it's about communicating clearly and kindly. Yes. And being open to, to bend to either side. So... On the nurse's part, she's going to bend to the patient, right? Oh, you don't want an IV? Okay. But then maybe the patient can bend the other way of like, I'm okay with an IV if it's absolutely necessary, but could we wait until that point? Right. Something like that. I love that. Unless, you know, she is a high-risk patient, you need to draw blood anyway. Mm-hmm. And might as well start the IV, but we could HEP block it. We Absolutely. Could, yeah, we don't have to run. And I'm not it. even I'm not even talking about the high risk population. Mm -hmm. That's a whole right. Other, that's a whole other. That's category. a whole other can of worms. Um, 
And and those patients know that they fall into some risk category. They've sure. had those conversations. I really don't get very much like, yeah, you can put an IV, but I really don't. It's really the low risk yeah. people that come into labor and delivery expecting a home birth vibe. Right. And they get disappointed or upset when we want to do anything. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. So my position is we should just stop having these long, lengthy conversations mm. with patients who come in about why you need to see it my way. Because they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do anything they don't want to do, even if I think they should. They don't have to see it my way. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely will not be the recipient of any treatment or monitoring without full consent. Right. So what do we do? We have to at least document. Exactly. We have to make sure it's in writing that they refused, declined. We're using the the words declined. The the treatment or the intervention. Right. Yeah. And make it clear to them like, well, I understand what you're saying for our policy, procedure, standard of care. This is what we expect to have happened, but you have the right to decline. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. And getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk-benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. That's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery, I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my OB and I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. What I do now is try to counsel newer nurses when they're wide-eyed and, you know, the patient won't let me. Maybe it's, it's like, okay, take a breath. Uh-huh. <laughs> It'll be You've okay. fully explained and given all information to your patient. Mm-hmm. You've asked the patient demonstrate that they understand your rationale, even if they don't agree. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Reassure your patient that you are available and you are 
will provide care if the patient desires. If she changes her mind and wants an epidural, that these are the three things that we need to do. Mm -hmm. If you're going to then go into medical management of care. Yeah. And be confident that the patient was not coerced or harassed in any way. Right. And tell your patient, I'm going to pop my head in here every 30 minutes. And if you give me a thumbs up, I will walk out the door. Mm -hmm. That you don't need me. You don't desire me in there. You have not changed your mind. Mm -hmm. And I can document that I have gone over these things with you. And I'm going to document those things so that I can protect myself and my license. Yeah. I think it's helpful, too, to, just like you were saying, not go into the whole long saga of, like, well, I'm protecting my license, blah, blah, blah. Because that puts so much responsibility on the patient right. to protect the nurse when she's coming into the hospital expecting to be cared for and, you know, treated like the customer. And then to hear from the nurse like, oh, well, you're not doing what I asked you to. I kind of feel like it would be going into a restaurant and the, the server is like, okay, now you need to clean up your dishes. <laughs> like, or going into a restaurant and saying, I'd like an enchilada. And the server says, well, this is an Italian restaurant. Like, I am fully aware this is an Italian restaurant. Just, just go into the example. kitchen and have it make me an enchilada. Right. Yeah. You know? And by the way, the client is my patient. This mm -hmm. is an institution. And I know that it's all very client-based and the client is always right. Yeah. But guess what? You are coming into an a hospital that mm -hmm. is an institution. And I do have to protect myself. I do have to protect my license. It's my livelihood. And I believe that grown-ups can sit down and have a conversation yeah. about what I'm going to do in order to protect my license. And people say, you just don't want to get sued. I'm like, 100%. 100%. 100%. Don't want to get sued. Absolutely. I don't want to get sued. Have I don't want to have to go through a deposition and like... litigation. <laughs> oh because. I want to be able to say, okay, look, this is what you're declining. This is what I need to do to make sure that we understand each other. We're going to have you sign a document mm -hmm. that declines intervention. I'm cool with it. Right. And thank you very much. Yeah. Third parties are very important. A manager, a charge nurse, a director, or even a house supervisor in the hospital mm -hmm. as a witness. And then you can do what you want. My point is I am no longer willing to get into long dialogues and try to plead my case for why a patient has to do a particular thing. Yeah, I think that's wise and it saves you energy. <laughs> yeah. Also, it just it doesn't help. Right. It just makes things spiral downward. One of the one thing that is problematic is when a patient gives up agency to another person in the room. And Explain that gets what you sticky. mean by that. Yeah. What I mean is when I ask a patient a question and somebody else answers, I'm documenting that somebody else is answering. And mm -hmm. I will ask my patient, are these questions um, difficult for you to answer? Or tell me what's happening here because when I'm asking you questions, somebody else in the room's answering. And I really, especially things like pain 
your pain threshold, yep. how are you feeling, subjective stuff about depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, what medications you're taking. I like to hear it from the patient directly. Exactly. If the patient says, I have allowed my doula to answer for me, I need to document that. My partner is going to answer some questions for me. I don't talk to patients during labor contractions, and I know hearing all of the questions that we have to ask so when you're many in the, questions. So it's so irritating. Mm -hmm. I try really hard to get as many as I can in, in between. Yes. But when someone gives up their agency to another person, I have to document that my patient isn't able or unwilling to talk to me directly. Yeah. That's that wall going up. Not only do I not want to be here, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. You are a nurse and you are representing a place that I don't want to be. Yeah. So there's that second barrier to me being able to, you know, break through that and have a relationship with my patient. Right. Which is problematic for me. Yeah. I think we hit these great points about uh, this issue that we're seeing in the hospital. I mean, like you said before, this should be something that we're lobbying for and getting insurance coverage for midwifery care and home births and birth center births. Absolutely. For the low risk patient who doesn't need to be in the hospital. I agree. But since that's not the case, we have this dilemma of seeing low risk, healthy People coming into the hospital to have a baby. Right. They're not sick. They're pregnant. Right. And so rightly so, they want to have the lowest intervention birth experience possible, which has those home birth vibes, like you were saying. And we just have to protect ourselves and our licenses by mm -hmm. being thorough mm -hmm. and communicative and then lay off. Yep. Yep. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have thoughts on this subject, please email us. If you want to be a guest on our podcast, please email us. Check out the show notes for how you can contact us. Through. We're going to have some midwives on soon. Ooh, yeah. We're going to talk about this subject. Check out the show notes for our contact info, our Instagram profiles, emails, websites. We are... Still in business, teaching birth classes, and I'm doing lactation consults, virtual or uh, home visits if you're in L.A., and Liz does birth classes. What are your birth classes geared towards, Liz? My classes are how to have a better hospital birth. For the low-risk and the high-risk patient Absolutely. For I have yeah. all kinds of patients. I've been teaching for over 25 years. And um, I love when people come and tell me they're having an unmedicated birth, they're having twins, they're having a home birth, they're having doulas, parents, partners, anybody. And we talk about how we can help you get comfortable in a hospital setting if that's where you've chosen or that's where you feel it's best for you to deliver. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.